Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you are walking into work or otherwise have to step away from the radio, you do not have to miss Detroit Today. You can go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts. If you download and subscribe to us, you can take Detroit Today wherever you like to go and listen to us whenever you are ready. We're going to spend a big part of the show today talking about the opioid crisis here in southeast Michigan and nationally has taken an interesting turn in recent weeks. And we may be seeing the development or the growth of a very similar timeline or narrative to what we saw with tobacco 15 or 20 years ago in this country. So uh, we want to hear from you, especially about opioids and the opioid crisis. Is this something that's affecting you? Is this something that's affecting your family? Are you seeing this in your community? What do you think people ought to be doing about it? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we will try to work you into the conversation. Last week, the lead officials of Oakland and Wayne counties announced that they are going to jointly sue a dozen drug manufacturers for their contributions to the opioid epidemic in America. They say the companies used intentionally deceptive marketing techniques to sell prescription opioids to doctors and hospitals, knowing that those drugs were harmful and deadly. Oakland County Executive L. Brooks Patterson said of the lawsuit, we want to do to the opioid manufacturers and distributors the same thing we did 30 or 40 years ago to the tobacco industry. We see that they really have taken a page out of the tobacco era. False advertising, false claims, people becoming dependent on these drugs without the fair notice of what could happen to their lives. Really strong words there, really strong indicting words, really, from L. Brooks Patterson, who's the county executive of Oakland County. With us now to talk about this lawsuit is Warren Evans, who is Wayne County executive. Uh, Also here is Powell Miller. He's lead counsel on the lawsuit, a partner at Miller Law. Warren and Powell, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Let's start with you, Warren. Um, Brooks Patterson says this is this is identical almost to what uh, was done with tobacco uh, back in the 60s and 70s uh, with their really strong push to deceive people uh, into the, the idea that smoking cigarettes wouldn't do harm to your health. Draw that parallel, though, to the opioid crisis. One of the things I guess I have difficulty with here is the idea that something that's prescribed, in, at least initially, by doctors is quite the same thing as something you go and buy on your own in the, the drugstore, like cigarettes. Well, I think part of it is the deception uh, with the drug manufacturers as it relates to the doctors. Uh, the fact that uh, there have been more and more uh, opioid uh, prescriptions for things that historically would not have been uh, opioid uh, opioids would not have been uh, prescribed. You know, it's kind of something that's been there for uh, post-operative pain, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that's been there for uh, um, terminal cancer, 
sorts of things, not for uh, many of the other variety of things that the, uh, the drug manufacturers have suggested to doctors would be good. And, you know, I think the certainly Paul Miller will talk about it more than I do, but with, with certain knowledge that those opioids were addictive uh, and where it hits the, the county is, you know, the cost uh, to us in terms of uh, the human pain and suffering uh, from people dying. We've, you know, we've had a real spike in the last couple of years uh, up to, you know, uh, the last year that we have a record for us, over 800 deaths uh, directly related to uh, the abuse of opioid prescriptions. That right. doesn't include the deaths of people on an illicit market outside of that. Right. And that doesn't include the fact that four out of five uh, heroin users now, as that number grows, are coming from the opioid illegal market. It's sort of a, a, a gateway. And, and uh, absolutely. It's a heroin. gateway drug, and it's a, it's a cost to the taxpayers of the county that should not be there. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, th- those 800 deaths, uh, put, that, put that in context uh, in terms of time. Is that a number that has grown uh, precipitously over the last few years? Well, the year before that, it was at 500. Wow. So in one year, it Almost went up double. 300, and yeah. we don't have last year's yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the number's climbing. Um, the cost is climbing in terms of, you know, the county's costs for uh, medical care, mm-hmm. the county's costs for law enforcement, the county's costs for prosecutors. I mean, Taxpayers are bearing something here uh, that we would argue uh, vigorously is not something that uh, that we should be paying because of the deceptive nature yeah, uh, yeah. of the drug manufacturers. Uh, uh, Paul Miller, talk about the legal sort of context of all of this and the case that you're trying to make <laughs> against these drug manufacturers. Again, how is it similar or different from uh, tobacco and and uh, sort of how do you make that? That argument in court. Well, we filed a 188-page complaint with more than 100 exhibits, and and the problem here is very similar to the tobacco problem. We identify three basic wrongs in the complaint. First, that manufacturers of opioids led a false information campaign to promote opioids for common chronic pain by downplaying the grave risk of addiction. Second, manufacturers paid supposedly neutral organizations to distribute false information about opioids, basically giving information to doctors suggesting that the risk of addiction is much less. lower than it is. Exactly. And third, we sued distributors for failing to report suspicious orders. And if those suspicious orders were regularly reported, that would end a lot of the fuel for the opioid crisis. And, and when you say suspicious orders, wh- what are you talking about there? Uh, very unusual amounts of prescribing, sometimes called pill mills, where you so you're see- You're talking about doctors then who are ordering more of this than they would reasonably be expected to prescribe to people. And is the accusation that they're then uh, helping move that product into this illegal market? Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And why is that? So why is that a civil matter and not a criminal one? Well, it's both. Yeah. We, we think it's got a criminal element, but we're pursuing the civil side. And, and what I believe is that we need a multi-pronged attack against this crisis. Uh, not just litigation, 
great leadership by people like Executive Evans, who we have here today. Mm -hmm. We need help in the legislature. We need help in regulatory bodies. This is going to take a full court press to stop this crisis. Yeah. Uh, Warren, I'm wondering where Mark Hackle, who's the county executive in Macomb, is in this suit. Wayne and Oakland obviously are are very large counties. They have uh, a real issue with this with this problem. Macomb, according to the numbers, has a bigger issue than than Oakland, at least when it comes to uh, the number of people who are who have these these prescriptions. Uh, it, why is Macomb not not joining us here? Well, you know, we all kind of started independently down this road, um, doing our own due diligence and, and uh, you know, seeking counsel from law firm. It's kind of an independent sort of thing. I don't think that he's he's not there. I just think he's maybe not here today. Yeah. You know, I don't know how long their due diligence process uh, is taking and uh, what internal mechanisms they're dealing with. But I, I'm, I have not talked to Mark personally, but I'm sure... Uh, he has the same concerns that we do about the uh, about the crisis. About this issue, sure. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Warren Evans, the Wayne County Executive, and Powell Miller, who is lead counsel on a lawsuit filed by Wayne and Oakland counties against drug makers, drug manufacturers, uh, who they accuse of contributing to the opioid epidemic here in southeast Michigan. Uh, Brooks Patterson said last week that they have taken a page out of the tobacco era, false advertising, false claims, people becoming dependent on these drugs without understanding what could happen to their lives. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what your experience has been with this really incredible epidemic that has unfolded, uh, not just in our community, but around the country. Uh, Tell us what that looks like in your community. Tell us what it looks like maybe in your family. Do you know someone? Are you related to someone who has struggled with opioids after being prescribed them by a doctor or perhaps getting involved with them through the illegal market? You can also go to the, the WDET Facebook page. Put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. Kevin on Facebook says the pharmaceutical industry only cares about money, and they are the biggest drug dealers on the planet. They want to keep the world addicted. They are also terrified of medical marijuana. Marijuana, Gee, I wonder why. So, Kevin, thinking that this is just all about dollars, uh, tell us what you think. Again, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Paul in Belleville. Paul, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Um, I just wanted to um, remind the listeners that um, history repeats itself when we don't study it, right? And uh, the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, which was um, passed and is the law that actually created the FDA, it was passed because the same drug companies that we have today were selling morphine and heroin and cocaine and all kinds of over-the-counter products for cough, sleeping aids, and and even for children's products like teething powder and colic. And uh, the reason that they use these substances in these over-the-counter products is precisely because they're addictive. So this is just a repeat, except the big difference is at this time it's under um, government regulation. But I think that what the listeners need to consider is that perhaps the, the FDA 
um, has failed yeah. in its uh, mandate under that law. Yeah, uh, Paul, I think that's a really uh, that's a really great point. I'm glad you called uh, and and made it. Do you feel like we're not getting the help that we need from the FDA, maybe from the Justice Department, to deal with these problems at a local level, Warren? Well, I you know I I think he's I think he's right, uh, and uh, I, I think that. Uh, for a number of reasons, um, uh, FDA gets overloaded, maybe taking on too much or not being prior to, prioritized enough for it to do all of the things that our expectations are for them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I don't I don't think there's any uh, confusion on my part in that they are not really stepping up to the plate doing the kinds of things uh, that they should do. It was interesting. Just last night looking at 60 Minutes, I think, was... Uh, uh, an eye-opener for some people just in terms of uh, what looks like a very significant effort on the criminal side to make it much more difficult uh, for the government to bring criminal charges against drug manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were several people on there who were lifetime uh, lawyers with DEA and otherwise who were terribly upset at the, at the legislative change. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go to Tisha in Livonia. Tisha, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm all right. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, my, when I heard about this, I had a, a, a big question. <clears throat> I have a sister who's a heroin addict, started off from prescription drugs when she was in high school. Um, <clears throat> and when I heard about this, I guess directly, are we attacking the, the manufacturers because that's where the money is? I'm an engineer as well, and, and if I designed something that could kill someone, I would be held or at least partially held responsible for that. And, and I just, is why I guess my question is, why aren't we attacking the doctors right. who uh, are supposed to keep us safe? Yeah, Tisha, I think that's a great, that's a great question. Uh, uh, Powell Miller, can you talk more about the focus here on drug companies as opposed to, as you pointed out, there are doctors who over-order these, uh, these drugs knowing perhaps full well, that they will end up in the hands of people who, who, who shouldn't have them or who might get addicted to them. Talk about how you, how you make that decision. We see the main problem as manufacturers misleading the doctors through a massive multi-year false information campaign. Just for example, mm-hmm. many drug manufacturers funded the American Pain Foundation. It appears to be a neutral organization. Not many people know it's funded by drug manufacturers. And the American Pain Foundation issued a newsletter stating the tragic consequence of leaving many people with severe pain undertreated because they or their doctors fear that opioids will cause addiction. And that went out to numerous people throughout the country. And it's just an example of how this industry persuaded doctors that they should prescribe for common pain, like arthritis, Mm -hmm. instead of just for cancer. Yeah, yeah. And so do do you hold the doctors, I guess, harmless in this or, or blameless in this? Do you really think that they were they were duped into uh, making these prescriptions? Yes. Yeah. I think this is primarily a drug. This is about man- the drug company. Right. I mean, you have some bad doctors out there. There's no question about that. But the core prop, but most doctors are good. Overwhelming majority are good. 
the fundamental problem is that doctors have been misled. Essentially, they were lied to, according according to what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tisha, thank you very much for the call, and uh, of course, we hope that uh, you find help uh, for your sister. Uh, in the long term. That's a really serious, serious problem that you're describing that she has there. Let's go to Jamal in Detroit. Jamal, welcome to Detroit today. Um, good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, um, I'm a young African-American male. I have experienced um, the, uh, the problem of young men, my peers, becoming, um, selling these painkillers on the black market, uh, running from from Michigan to Kentucky, lower parts of Ohio, uh, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, I would just like to ask Mr. Evans a question: Has there been any concrete method towards um, speaking about the illegal sales of um, these painkillers? And thank you. From a law enforcement perspective, I assume is yes, what you're yes. asking, Jamal. Yeah, great yeah. question. Thank Jamal, you, Jamal. That's it. a that's a great question, and and. And narcotics units and enforcement are are certainly uh, aware of that problem, and and there are you know periodic, probably not as much as I'd like to see happen with a bunch of things, uh, arrests of doctors who have uh, you know had pill mills that are you know uh, you see people lined up as I'm sure I'm uh, you are aware of, lined up in the morning waiting for their pain pills and wind up getting a a prescription of pain pills that would be enough to. Uh, you know, to kill a neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, and then they take uh, what they're going to use and 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 sell the rest on the on the uh, on the open market. That's an enforcement issue that we are are, are dealing with, uh, and it doesn't mean that this lawsuit is uh, expected to conquer that problem immediately. We're kind of working on both fronts, but we think the lawsuit is important at the front end along with uh, more enforced uh, uh, enforcement on the back end. But I know exactly what you're talking about, Jamal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Curtis in Southfield, you're up next on Detroit Today. Morning. Hey, Curtis. Hi. Uh, yeah, my name is Curtis Lums. I'm actually a physician. Um, I practice uh, child, adolescent, and adult and forensic psychiatry in all four counties. Uh-huh. And, you know, I watched the 60-minute program last night, and it kind of took me back to um, I don't know if the uh, panel is familiar with other medicines that have been on the market and uh, taken off. These are legal medicines such as fenfluramine, mm-hmm. which was a weight loss product that was taken off due to a lot of valvular heart disease that developed. And another medication we use in psychiatry and, and healthcare in general called Neurontin that was um, you know, pitched to us in our clinics about being a primary solution for bipolar disorder by Pfizer at one point. You know, so those are other um, aspects of this whole marketing thing with uh, pharmaceuticals. But, you know, the thing I wanted to suggest, um, kind of bring to light is, as a psychiatrist, I, uh, I, I started my residency at Lafayette Clinic. I was there when it was closed. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic to me that in the clinics I work at, let's say I'm in Macomb County later today, I'm, I'll see 42 people in 10 hours. And I've always, I go back to medical education when the history was the most important part. Right. Secondary to a test, an MRI, or anything. And in these uh, uh, clinics now, you know, I'm I'm, uh, pressed to do an assessment, ask questions about family history, substance abuse history, uh, medical history. 
in 10 minutes. And so it's, it's no surprise to me that not only is the epidemic, epidemic what it is now, but it's in a way sort of uh, enhanced by the limits that have been placed on myself as a physician uh, to, to, to service these, these clients. And I'd say most of them do meet the criteria for dual diagnosis, which now seems to be a foreign entity in terms of treatment. Mm-hmm. So, to, you know, and then to see the 60 Minutes program last night and say, wow, you know, what are we doing anyway? Uh, it, it's just confusing. So mm, that's I want to get you guys' opinion in terms of, you know, from a healthcare delivery perspective as a provider, what we're uh, uh, trained to do, uh, yet having our, our hands handcuffed in terms of to deliver the service. Yeah, that, Curtis. Um, let me make a difference. Curtis, let me ask you a quick question. Do, do, are you experiencing the the sort of false advertising? I guess the, the the aggressive pitches by these drug companies that that you feel like are not accurately describing what they're selling. Well, in in the area of medicine that I practice, uh, I see a lot of the kids and families, et cetera. But so let's say we still have reps not to the degree where they used to come to our office and say certain things about meds, but there are some documented histories of uh, reps coming to the office and saying, well, this medicine can be used primarily, for example, bipolar disorder. Right. Well, I know in my training, well, yeah, I'm a question that. You right. know, I can't use a atypical um, anti-seizure med that's really for uh, chronic pain to say I'm going to treat mania. I already right. know that. Right. But... I would say uh, at this point, we do not, well, we as uh, far in between where we get any sort of drug reps coming to the office, and we're not hearing that slant, but right. this has happened before, and, you know, I'm not a primary care physician. I don't see, uh, I'm not a family practitioner, so it's not in my um, in my practice where I'm doing a lot yeah. of yeah. Uh, that sort of uh, well, practice. Curtis, but, Curtis mm-hmm. I appreciate I appreciate the call and and the, the, the comments there. Uh, uh, Powell Miller, I want to give you a chance to react to what he's saying there in terms of uh, this confusion, I guess, that, that, that doctors feel like they're suffering because of this. What, what's happened is the drug manufacturers have just pounded the drum for years that we really have a pain crisis. And that, like, the fifth vital sign is pain, and mm-hmm. doctors aren't doing enough about pain mm-hmm. and therefore need to prescribe opioids. Mm-hmm. And a lot of doctors get paid to go to conferences, have very fancy dinners, mm-hmm. and those are the ones who are out there promoting the use of opioids for pain. Mm-hmm. That is a core of the problem. We should not be using opioids for arthritis, headaches, joint aches, common pain. That's what's led to this crisis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other side of go ahead, uh, The other side of uh, what the the doctor spoke about was just the whole pricing in the uh, in the medical field now, and how doctors get paid, and 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 so, you know, if 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 he's forced to see many more patients than he's comfortable uh, being able to see and, mm-hmm. and diagnose properly, I mean, that's a that's. Uh, certainly a related issue it's and another that's one dimension that, right yeah i mean yeah so uh if if getting the background information is key to a diagnosis and he doesn't have that time that's certainly an issue that uh, yeah. that is out there yeah okay warren evans wayne county executive and powell miller lead counsel on the lawsuit filed by oakland and wayne counties against drug manufacturers thank you both for being here on detroit today 
Thank you, Steve. All right. Thank you. Up next, we're going to talk about the scale of this problem nationally and whether a lawsuit like this could move the needle on the opioid crisis. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Aaron in Detroit, Annette in West Bloomfield, Teresa in Detroit. We will get to you. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the opioid crisis for much of the show today. A lawsuit filed recently by Oakland and Wayne County says drug makers are responsible, at least in part, for the skyrocketing numbers of deaths related to opioid addiction. Uh, in the mid-1990s, Big Tobacco was successfully sued for deceptive marketing toward the general public of a product the industry knew was going to cause deadly illnesses. In the case of the opioid epidemic, drug manufacturers are not marketing, though, toward the general population. Prescription drugs are pitched to doctors and hospitals who prescribe those medications. But doctors know the risks and benefits of narcotics. Is there a case to be made on a national scale that drug manufacturers are to blame for this opioid epidemic? We're going to turn now to talking more nationally about this issue. And joining us for that is Keith Humphreys. He is a psychiatry professor at Stanford University and former policy advisor at the White House Office of National Drug control policy during the Obama administration. Keith, welcome to Detroit Today. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah. Uh, So in our first segment, we talked about this lawsuit that's been filed here in Michigan. Are there other lawsuits like this cropping up around the country? All over the country. In fact, the the county I'm I'm sitting in right now, Santa Clara County, California, is suing the opioid manufacturers. The city of Chicago is, the state of West Virginia, a number of counties in West Virginia. So we're seeing this uh, nationally uh, as, uh, you know, people grapple with the crisis and realize that, you know, the pharma industry bears some of the blame and should be held responsible. Yeah. Uh, We we had uh, a little bit of a discussion in the first segment about the distinction being drawn between drug manufacturers and doctors. Doctors are the people who prescribe these drugs. The, the, the lawsuit seems to hold them somewhat blameless for this and says that the drug industry has gone on a massive campaign of disinformation that has fooled everybody, including doctors. Do you, do you subscribe to the idea that doctors don't know better than what they're doing and that they have been taken in by these drug companies? I think there's plenty of blame to go around for this problem, and I would not exempt uh, the healthcare system, doctors, and other medical professionals from criticism. You know, certainly the industry did a lot of things. Uh, You know, they influenced education. They, um, you know, incredibly uh, persuasive with all these detailers they send out who are invariably charming, smooth, friendly people to a person. But nonetheless, um, you know, doctors have responsibility to their patients. They have responsibility to be critical. Uh, They have responsibility to look at the evidence and not just uh, believe what comes in a slick brochure. And I think uh, many doctors failed on that score. 
So, um, you know, I, I don't question motives, but I do at times question um, whether they completely fulfilled their professional responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to get you to respond to something that someone uh, said to us on Twitter. Anna on Twitter says, how can we address racism in drug deaths when black and brown people OD? It's a war. When it's white, it's a crisis. It's not an original uh, thought or an unprecedented thought in this uh, in this context. There has been a lot of talk already about race and the opioid crisis and how different the response has looked to that than it did to the crack epidemic, for instance, of the late 1980s and, and 90s. Uh, as someone who worked in drug policy, uh, talk about how the how that response is different at that level. In other words, from the point of view of the Obama administration, for instance, was there an understanding of this this double standard? Yeah, and I can say for me it was very personal. I, I actually worked on uh, the Cass Corridor in Detroit during the crack cocaine epidemic, uh-huh. and I, mm-hmm. I was aware of the um, intense uh, police response and the intense, uh, you know, um, uh, fear and anger towards people who use drugs. And I understand some of that because there was, you know, it, it is frightening. There is violence associated and all that. Um, but I felt really strongly then as a young, a young guy that this was not going to get us where we need to go. Uh, and, and I think, you know, history vindicates that view. And we certainly felt in the Obama administration, we did not want to put hundreds of thousands of people in prison. Mm-hmm. We did not want to treat this as a uh, moral failing that you just need to sort of slap people around and then they'll come to their senses. You know, um, what, what it is, in, in, in our view, and it's still my view, is, is addiction is a medical illness. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and people need help and support. Now, that doesn't mean that they get a blank check for everything they do that's wrong. And, and you know, that addicted people do things that harm others, and I've been harmed by them too. I understand how upsetting that is, and I'm, I'm not minimizing that when I say, the best way to get people into a state of recovery is not to throw them into a prison. Mm-hmm. It's to give them structure and support uh, through the treatment system. And thank God, with, with opioid addiction, at least we actually have some really good treatments that help lots and lots of people. And so we led with that in the Obama administration. Law enforcement was there to support, but we led with the health side. And it's sad for me uh, to see you know, the, the new administration is, is flipping back to the, the old way that I saw in, in the right. 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Tell us what you see in your community or maybe in your family with regard to the opioid crisis. Is it having an effect on you? And what do you think ought to be done about it? Should we be suing drug manufacturers who uh, distribute these drugs to doctors? Should there be more uh, action by the federal government to take uh, initiative against drug companies or against doctors who sometimes end up being complicit in all of this. Again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today will work you into the conversation. Aaron in Detroit, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, I have a personal uh, experience with, with uh the situation, but I want to I want to say this uh, before I tell you about my personal experience. You know, we can talk about this in a whole lot of different ways, and like your guest said, there's plenty of blame to go around. First of all, there's the failure of the government or its agencies uh, uh, to adequately uh, regulate 
these drug companies uh, due to the fact that the government runs uh, on lobbying and, and, and money and abuse, uh, the abuse and greed of the drug companies, which uh, is promoted through the capitalist system uh, uh, where you try to get all you can uh, uh, for whoever your stockholders are or whatever, uh, the criminal conduct of the doctors and some of the patients, of course. But I heard uh, Elbridge Patterson state something like we should treat them like the drug, uh, the tobacco companies. The tobacco companies are making twice as much money as they was before they got regulated. So I don't, I don't remember any uh, tobacco company people going to jail. Uh, jail and, and consequences deter crime. But I'll, let me say this because I, 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 I'm a senior citizen and uh, I am dependent to uh, uh, to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, like many people are, and I have a close friend that has MS. I have a, a, a spinal injury, and uh, without my medication, I could not function. And what I'm concerned about is uh, elderly people like myself and my friend uh, getting caught up in this system now that the politicians want to pretend like they want to do something about this problem now and the innocent people getting caught up in it. And, and now uh, I'm in a uh, pain clinic that regulates every pill, uh, urine test, everything. And, and so I'm monitored and scrutinized already. And, and still, because of the pressure of the situation, it's being, uh, we're being treated even worse uh, uh, like we're the problem. And I fear that the people who are legitimately in need mm. will suffer because of this uh, pretense of now wanting to do something about a problem yeah. that they were contributing to and probably caused uh, through their uh, greed and corruption. Yeah, Aaron, that's a really interesting uh, side of this to, to inject into the conversation. I'm really glad you called to do that. Keith, Keith Humphreys, I want to give you a chance to respond. Is there a danger that, that the reaction to the opioid epidemic will make it harder for people who legitimately need these drugs, even on a long-term basis, as Aaron uh, points out he does. Uh, how, how do you strike that balance? That, no, it's absolutely a legitimate view. I mean, you know, opioids can be highly destructive. They are also one of the most useful uh, tools in the, in the medical toolbox. Um, they are terrific for relieving uh, acute pain. You know, you, you wouldn't want to have most surgeries without opioids available, for example. For some people, they're important in the long term, not just people with pain, but people who are addicted to heroin. Uh, you know, being on a, an opioid like methadone and buprenorphine for potentially the rest of their life is life-saving. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the, 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 well, I have a colleague, uh, you know, who says something that is, I think, very wise. He said, we shouldn't be anti-opioid and we shouldn't be pro-opioid. We should be pro-patient. Yeah, wow. That's a that's a really interesting way to put that, too, that uh, if you put the patients first, you maybe avoid some of the, some of the confusion and difficulty that we're having with that. Uh, let's go to Annette in West Bloomfield. Annette, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I was curious. Hello? Yep, go ahead. Okay, good. I was curious if, after all these years having all the computer process, is there a way to have uh, assess if all the pills a person has taken can be computerized and see, you know, it, how many doctors and how many pharmacists and how many hospitals that he or she are connected to so they can limit it? I know it didn't work 20 years ago, so... Hmm. 
does this make any sense to you? What I'm trying to ask is, does some version of the computer process actually take a person's name, patient, and address and say, okay, she or he is are receiving too much of something? Right, right. Uh, and that, that's actually a really great question. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Keith Humphreys, do you know if if they're able yeah. to to keep track? If I, for instance, go to one doctor and get a prescription for opioids, and that person, just that doctor, decides I've I'm done with what I with what I need, can I just go to someone else? And they may not know what that history is unless I volunteer it. Yeah, fortunately, there are such systems, and they're being used more and more. They're called prescription drug monitoring programs, and they're really important. Like, I'll, I'll give you, I'm from West Virginia, which has the highest uh, opioid death rate, and, and one in five of people who die of an opioid uh, in West Virginia has a prescription from five or more doctors. So wow. it really is a, a problem. You know, people can shop, go doctor to doctor. The doctors don't know about each other. They all, you know, someone, it's not that hard to fake pain. You know, somebody writes a script in good faith. They don't realize five or six other people are and that that person's on the path to an overdose. Yeah. So what virtually every state now has is a prescription drug monitoring program that keeps track of all this, of what, what docs are prescribing and who they're being prescribed to. And the, the trick now is to get doctors to use them. Some states are mandating that doctors use them before they prescribe any kind of controlled substance and say, hey, wait a minute, check first and make sure this person isn't already getting this substance from a bunch of other people. And, and those, are, those systems are good for, you know, uh, you know, the system, but they're also good for that patient because they are at very high risk taking all those different medications. Um, you know, they're at high risk for an overdose. So um, that, that's something that has... You know, when states adopt those, you tend to see a drop in, in death rates. In so death that's rates. a good yeah. idea. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's quickly go to Barbara in Detroit. Barbara, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Um, Hi. I've come from a background of basic research and a regulatory authority. And what I've seen is all the money in the process, and that's most concerning to me, because at least half of what is spent bringing a drug to market is actually marketing. It's not basic research. The public pays for uh, most of the very basic research that goes into finding a target for a drug, finding a good candidate for a drug. Um, then things are patented. They're bought by um, pharmaceutical companies, um, and they're actually put through human trials, you know, the rigorous trial right. process. But it does cost a lot. Yeah. Um, but then the marketing experience. Loads. And that's really what we're talking about here is the marketing. And the, the FDA just really, you know, it's almost impossible to keep their thumb on all the marketing for all the drugs yeah. that goes through. And they're basically, as somebody else brought up, they're pandering to physicians. They're giving them lunches. I mean, even right. in residency programs, I've worked in a medical school and Every day, the residents got free lunches from different pharmaceutical companies. There's a lot of money that goes into this. Sure, sure. To, it, it to sell. Like brainwashing to sell. people to use their medication. Yeah. Uh, Barbara, I, I appreciate the call and, and really appreciate that point. Uh, Keith Unfreeze, is there anything the federal government can do to respond to this marketing blitz? And, and in this case, the lawsuit here in southeast Michigan alleges that much of that marketing, much of that selling is based on false claims and does not tell people about the risks that are involved. Is there is there a regulatory scheme, I guess, that can respond to that? 
Yeah, it's a really tough problem because uh, our country has broadly interpreted a lot of advertising as being free speech. Sure. And so, if you, it, you know, it really shocks people like from Europe when they come here and they steal these ads for uh, drugs on TV because they don't have them. Um, so, so we tend to give companies a lot of latitude to, um, you know, put their corporate message out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, uh, you still can get in trouble for lying. And that is what happened, for example, to Purdue Pharma, which, you know, settled that suit in 2007 for $600 million because their detailers are going out and saying this Oxycontin is, is, is don't need to worry about addiction. That's really rare. It's terrific for pain. If someone has a problem, just raise the dose. Everything's going to be fine. Well, that was all a lie, and they were held appropriately. They were held civilly and criminally responsible for that. So if this can be documented with other companies, um, that's something that can still be a, a point for lawsuits around the country that, you know, this isn't really anymore about you having the right to describe your product. It's about you lying right. about your product. Right. Okay, Keith Humphreys, psychiatry professor at Stanford University, former policy advisor at the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy during the Obama administration. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Nice to talk to you. Take care. Okay, we'll talk with you soon. Up next, we're going to talk about President Trump's recent executive order regarding Obamacare and what it means for our health care system. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.